ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whomever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whomever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger we would like to begin this lecture this evening the 12th lecture in this series of the explanation of the aqidah of ahli sunnah wal jamaah as contained in the essay of al-imam ahmed rahimahullah the book entitled usul as-sunnah the fundamentals or the foundations of the sunnah uh, i would like to remind myself and those who have been participating in these lectures or this course of study and the islamic belief system or the islamic creed as it is understood by the ahlu as-sunnah wal jamaah the main body of the muslims those who stuck closely to the quran the word of allah and to the authentic sunnah the way of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam as it was understood by his companions the sahaba radiyallahu anhum ajma'in this aqidah or this creed or system of belief it is that which is revealed by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to his last prophet and messenger muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam for all of humanity until the day of judgment and it is by knowing understanding and living according to this creed practicing it in our daily life and using it as a guide this is the way this is the road inshallah to earn the pleasure of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to reach the destination his pleasure and his reward his paradise al jannah inshallah in this last lecture of our series we would like to discuss two points one of them the last of them is related to the seeking of forgiveness and praying the funeral prayer salatul janaza on the muslim when he passes from this world to the next life and the other point the first of the two is related to the destination of every human being after they pass from this world either 
Al-Jannah, the Paradise, or An-Nar, the Hellfire. Al-Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, began his essay by mentioning to us some very fundamental principles. The first of them, he said, Usulu Sunnah Indana, At-Tamastiku, Bima Kana Alayhi, Ashabu Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alayhi Wasallam, Waqtida'u Bihim. Waqtida'u Bihim. That is, the usul of sunnah or the fundamentals or foundations of the religion is holding fast to that which the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were upon and taking them as an example or as a model to be followed. And then he went on to mention the other principles, the important foundations or fundamentals sticking to the Qur'an and sunnah, avoiding bid'ah, avoiding controversy and discussion and debate with the people of Bid'ah and avoiding sitting with them <coughs> and so on. Then he explained so many of the detailed points of the Islamic Aqidah and finally we are ending in this last, last lecture with these two points that I have already mentioned. He says concerning the first of them وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتَانِ قَدْ خُلِقَتَا كما جاء عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم and paradise and hellfire are two created things they have already been created as has come from the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم meaning in his in the authentic reports or hadith then Imam Ahmed mentions some a few of those authentic hadith which are proofs of the existence of the paradise and the hellfire that they are created things and they are already in existence he says first quoting from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa ra'aytu aw dakhaltu al-jannata fa ra'aytu qasran وَرَأَيْتُ الْكَوْثَرِ He said, the Prophet ﷺ said, I entered paradise and I saw a castle. And in another report he said, and I saw the river, Al-Kawthar, the, the river, one of the rivers of paradise. This hadith has been narrated in the Sahih of Al-Bukhari the Sunan of An-Nasai, the Musnad of Imam Ahmed, on the authority of Jabi ibn Abdullah, radiallahu anhuma, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, I entered paradise, or I came to paradise, and I saw a castle. And I said, for whom is this? Whose castle is this? They said, it is for Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiallahu anhu. The Prophet ﷺ said, دَخَلْتُ الْجَنَّةِ I entered the paradise. He went inside of the paradise. And he saw a castle. And in another, in another narration, الكوثر, And I saw Al-Kawthar, the river of paradise. One of the scholars of Islam, Al-Ajuri, who died in the year 360 after the Hijrah, he said in his book, Al-Shari'a, Know, may Allah have mercy upon us and you, that the Qur'an testifies to the fact that Allah, the Mighty and the Majestic, has created paradise and hellfire. 
before he created Adam and that he created for paradise its inhabitants and he created for the hellfire its inhabitants before he brought them that is these people before he brought the people into the world no one over whom Islam has prevailed and overcome and who has tasted the sweet taste of Iman or faith no one of them differs on this point the Quran and the Sunnah have indicated this have proven it and we seek refuge in Allah from the one who rejects this and then he went on to mention the proofs from the Quran and the Sunnah and we will mention some of them it is also reported about Al-Kawthar and the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed on the authority of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu and it is an authentic hadith about the saying of Allah Verily we have given you the kawthar Speaking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The messenger of Allah Allah said to him Verily we have given you al-kawthar The river in paradise The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Said in this hadith Explaining about this ayat He said that al-kawthar It is a river in paradise Or he said I saw a river in paradise The banks of which, of which are made of hollow pearls I said, what is this, O Jibreel? The Prophet asked the angel Jibreel, what is this? And he said, this is Al-Kawthar, which Allah has given to you. This is Al-Kawthar, which Allah has given to you. The Prophet he saw this river in paradise, and he asked about it, and he was informed by Jibreel that it is Al-Kawthar. Also, Imam Ahmed mentions here, وَاتَّلَعَتُ فِي النَّارِ فَرَأَيْتُ أَكْثَرَ أَحْلِهَا النِّسَاءِ Or أَكْثَرُ أَحْلِهَا كَذَا وَكَذَا He said, I looked into the hellfire. The Prophet ﷺ said, I looked into the hellfire. And I saw that most of its inhabitants were women. Or most of its inhabitants, according to another narration, were such and such or so and so. This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim and in the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi and An-Nasai and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma may Allah be pleased with him and his father that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said I looked into the hellfire and I saw that most of its inhabitants were women and I looked into paradise and I saw that most of its inhabitants were poor people. Imam Ahmed also reporting these various narrations of hadith proving the existence of the paradise and the hellfire. He said that the Prophet said, And I looked into the hellfire and I saw in it such and such and so and so. These few narrations and there are many other proofs make us to know that the Prophet ﷺ actually entered the paradise and he saw and described many things and he also was shown the hellfire and he described some of what he saw in the hellfire. Imam Ahmed says, based on these reports, فَمَنْ زَعَمَا أَنَّهُمَا لَمْ تُخْلَقَا فَهُوَ مُكَذِّبٌ بِالْقُرْآنِ 
وأحديث رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ولا أحسبه يؤمن بالجنة والنار He said, so whoever claims that they or these two things, the paradise and the hellfire, are not created, whoever claims that they are not yet created, that they don't already exist, then he is a denier of the Qur'an and the hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and I do not consider that such a person believes in the paradise and the hellfire. Also from the proofs, other proofs that Imam Ahmed didn't mention of the existence of the paradise and the hellfire is the report from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu uh, in the story of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, the story of the night journey and the ascension to the seven heavens. In that hadith as reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, Anas said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said ثُمَّ انْتَلَقَ بِي جِبْرِيل Then Jibreel went forth with me حَتَّى أَتَى صِدْرَةَ الْمُنْتَهَى Until I reached the furthest low tree فَغَشَيْهَا أَوْ غُشِيَهَا الْوَانُ لَا أَدْرِي مَا هِيَ Then that sidra or low tree was covered by colors which I did, I cannot even describe or I don't know what they are. قَالَ ثُمَّ دَخَلْتُ الْجَنَّةِ Then the Prophet ﷺ said, after seeing that low tree, he said, ثُمَّ دَخَلْتُ الْجَنَّةِ Then I entered the paradise. This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And also, this is conf- confirmation of the Qur'an in Surah Al-Najm verses 13 to 15 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى عِنْدَ سِدْرَةِ الْمُنْتَهَى عِنْدَهَا جَنَّةُ الْمَأْوَى that certainly he saw him in another descent that is the angel Jibreel at the سِدْرَةُ الْمُنْتَهَى the furthest low tree عِنْدَهَا جَنَّةُ الْمَأْوَى and at that place is the jannah called al-ma'wa and the Prophet ﷺ said when he went to the furthest low tree, then he actually entered the paradise. And in another hadith reported by Anas radiallahu anhu, collected by Imam Muslim in his Sahih, it is reported that the Prophet ﷺ swore by Allah and said, If you all had seen what I saw, لَدَحَقْتُمْ قَلِيلًا وَبَقَيْتُمْ كَثِيرًا you would have cried much or you would have laughed a little and you would have cried much if you had seen what I seen you would laugh little you wouldn't be laughing so much but you would be crying much they said to him and what is it that you have seen O Messenger of Allah he said I have seen the paradise and the hellfire if you had seen what I had seen, you would laugh little and you would cry much. This is because of the fearful sight and the terror, terrorist condition of the hellfire and those who would enter it. And even what is even more clear than these hadith is the hadith reported by At-Tirmidhi on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu in which he reported 
that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَمَّا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ الْجَنَّ وَالنَّارِ that when Allah created the heaven, the paradise and the hellfire, He sent Jibreel to look at the paradise. And He sent Jibreel to look at the hellfire. And He described what He saw. In this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, لَمَّا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ الْجَنَّ وَالنَّارِ That at the time when Allah created the paradise and the hellfire, He sent Jibreel to see them. That is, in the beginning of time, when He created the heavens and the earth, when He created... At that time, before he created the human beings and the people who would enter the hellfire and the paradise, he created the hellfire and the paradise first and he sent Jibril to see them. And this hadith is a very important hadith which has a long explanation that perhaps inshallah we will take at another time as a separate and independent lecture inshallah. Sheikh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman ibn Jibreen hafizahullah he said in his sharh of this essay Usul Sunnah on this point he said that this matter the paradise and the hellfire and they having been created and existing now presently this is also one of the points of Al-Iman Bil-Yawm Al-Akhirah that this is also one of the points of faith or Al-Iman in the last day that is to have faith that the paradise exists now that it is something created already and so also the hellfire and this is in opposition to some of the people of philosophy and the Mu'tazila, some of those deviant people and others such as them who claimed that Allah will bring into existence the hellfire and the paradise on the day of resurrection. They said, right now these things do not exist. They are not present. There is no hellfire and paradise in existence now. And we say, that as long as the hadith, the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is very clear on this point and that the Prophet ﷺ has informed us clearly that he entered the paradise and he saw in it such and such and so and so and he was shown the hellfire and he saw inside of it so, such and such and so and so then this is sufficient proof for us about the existence of these two things that they are something created and they are already in existence and on the day of resurrection they will be brought out they will be brought forth as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran وَأُذْلِفَتِ الْجَنَّةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ and the paradise will be brought forth for the righteous وَبُرِزَتِ الْجَحِيمُ لِلْغَاوِينَ and so also the hellfire will be brought forth for those who deviated this means that the hellfire and the paradise on the day of resurrection they will be brought forth although they already exist. And also, in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, يُجَاءُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ بِجَهَنَّمِ that the paradise will be brought forth on the day of resurrection. And this hadith is the explanation of the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, وَجِيءَ يَوْمَ إِذٍ بِجَهَنَّمِ and that the paradise will be brought forth, that is, it will be dragged forth by the angels as the Prophet ﷺ informed us in the authentic hadith. So many of the scholars also discussed this point and confirmed this as it was mentioned here by Imam Ahmed rahimahullah. It was also mentioned by many other scholars of the early generations of the Muslims and by our contemporary scholars. And of those from the early generations is Abu Muhammad Abdullah ibn Abi Zayd who was a great scholar of the Maliki Madhab 
and he was known as Al-Malik As-Saghir in recognition of his closeness to the knowledge and the character of Imam Malik Rahimahullah He said in his essay Aqidat Ahl-Sunnah Al-Jama'ah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qad khalaq al-jannah that Allah has already definitely created the paradise wa'addaha dar khulud li awliya'ihi and he has prepared it as a permanent home for his awliya those who are the friends of Allah Allah has prepared the paradise for them and he has honored them in it bin nazar ila wajhihi al-kareem by being able to see, he has honored them by allowing them to see his noble face, the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, وَخَلَقَ النَّارِ فَعَدَّهَا دَارَ خُلُودْ لِمَنْ كَفَرَ بِهِ And he has also created the hellfire and he has prepared it as a permanent and lasting home for those who disbelieved in him. Likewise, or similarly, also Al-Imam Al-Tahawi who we have mentioned so many times, uh, Abu Ja'afa al-Tahawi, in his book, Al-Aqidah, Al-Tahawiyah, and Imam Al-Tahawi was a great Hanafi scholar of the madhab of Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, and he, as the scholars of the Hanbali madhab, and the scholars of the Maliki madhab, and all of the scholars of the early generations of the Muslims, and of the later generations of the people of Sunnah, they confirmed likewise, in similar wording, as Imam Al-Tahawi said, وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتَانِ The paradise and the hellfire are two created things. لَا تَفْنَيَانِ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَبِيدَانِ They will never cease to exist or they will never perish or come to an end. And then he said that Allah Ta'ala created the paradise and the hellfire before he created the rest of creation. And he created for them their people. That is, he created for the paradise people and he created for the hellfire people. So whoever he willed would be sent to the paradise by his favor. And whoever he willed would be sent to the hellfire by his justice. And all of the people, they would do, they would do that which uh, they were created for and they will proceed to that which they were created for. As Allah decreed it. In the commentary or in the some remarks of Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin Al Albani, Hafidhullah, on this uh, essay of Imam Al Tahawi Al Aqidah Tahawiyah, on this point, Al Shaykh Al Albani, he says, Know that the hellfire in the next life, it is two fires. There are two types of fire in the next life. One fire which will cease to exist and another fire which, which will remain forever and will never cease to exist. The first of those fires is Nar al-Usat al-Muznibin min al-Muslimin. The first of those fires is the fire for the disobedient, the sinners from amongst the Muslims. And the second or the other of those fires is the Nar al-Kuffar al-Mushrikeen, the fire that has been prepared for the disbelievers and the pagans who worship others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the summary of the conclusion of Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, the great student of Ibn Taymiyyah in his book, Al-Wabil As-Sayyid. And this is the truth. It is the right opinion. There is no doubt about it. And it is the opinion that brings together 
or combine and make reconciliation between all of the evidences, those which seem to suggest that there are some people who would not remain in the hellfire forever, that is those who died on Tawheed, but they were sinners, then they would be in a fire and they would come out of that fire. And then those evidences would show that the people who go in the hellfire would stay in it forever. That means the fire which is prepared for the disbelievers and the pagans who disbelieved in Allah and who worshipped other than Allah. Then uh, finally, and all of the scholars of Aqidah, they also uh, they mention similar points. But the last one that I want to mention is the statement of Ibn Qadama, rahimahullah, who was a great Hanbali scholar, and he said in his book Lum'atul Atiqad uh, concerning this very point, he said. وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتَانِ لَا تَفْنِيَانِ Similar as we heard already from Imam Tahawi that the paradise and the hellfire are two created things which will never cease to exist. فَالْجَنَّةُ مَأْوَى أَوْلِيَائِهِ The paradise is the home for his awliya, for the awliya of Allah. وَالنَّارُ إِقَاب لِأَعْدَائِهِ And the hellfire is the punishment for his enemies. And the people of the hellfire would be in it eternally. As Allah said in the Quran in Surah Al-Zukhraf, إِنَّ الْمُجْرِمِينَ فِي عَذَابِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدُونَ That verily the criminals, the sinners, I mean the disbelievers and pagans, they would be in the punishment of the hellfire forever. Then of the contemporary scholars, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen, he said in his explanation of this book, Lumat al-Iyatiqad, he said that, about the Jannah and the Hellfire, he mentioned four points, that they are already created, that they will never cease to exist, where is their place and who are their people. First he mentioned that Al-Jannah wal nar Al-Jannah linguistically it means Al-Bustan, Al-Kathir Al-Ashjah, it means a garden which has many trees. But legally in Islam, in the technical language of Islam, it means the home which Allah has prepared in the next life for the muttaqeen, the righteous. He said, An-Nar linguistically is very well known, it is the fire. And Shar'an, or in the legal terminology, it means the home which Allah has prepared in the next life, Lil Kafirin, for the disbelievers. Then he said that these two, the hellfire and the paradise, they are created already, and this is based on the saying of Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala about al-Jannah That the paradise has already been prepared for the muttaqeen, the righteous Those who fear Allah, who have taqwa And about the hellfire, Allah said also That first ayat in Surah Al-Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 133 And this, this ayat about the hellfire, He said Uiddat lil kafirin In Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 24 That the hellfire has already been prepared for the disbelievers. And then he said about the uh, paradise and the hellfire that they would not cease to exist, that they would never pass away nor perish. The proof of, of this about the uh, is that Allah Allah is saying in Surah to Bayina verse eight Jazahum and Rabbihim 
جنات عدن تجري من تحتها الأنهار خالدين فيها أبدا that their reward the righteous people their reward will be with their Lord it is gardens of Adam permanent or everlasting gardens under, underneath which rivers flow خالدين فيها أبدا and they would remain in it forever they would remain in it or it would remain forever it would never cease to exist and as for the ayats of the permanent existence of the paradise there are many and they are not disputed but as for the hellfire the dispute is concerning it and we will mention some of the proofs that the hellfire is permanent and that it would not cease to exist that is the hellfire that is prepared for the disbelievers and the pagans it is mentioned in surah an-nisa verse 168 and 169 chapter 4 innal ladhina kafaru wa zalamu lam yakunillahu liyaghfira lahum ولا ليهديهم طريقا الا طريق جهنم خالدين فيها ابدا that verily those who disbelieve and who do oppression or wrongdoing worshiping something other than Allah and so on then Allah would never forgive them and Allah would never guide them except a way that leads to the hellfire خالدين فيها ابدا and they would remain in it forever and ever and also in surah al-ahzab verse 64 and 65 surah ahzab i think is chapter 33 or 34 inna allah la'ana al-kafirina wa a'adda lahum sa'ira that verily allah has cursed the disbelievers and has prepared for them sa'ira a flaming or blazing fire khalidina fiha abada and they would remain in it forever and ever and also in surah al-jinn i think surah al-jinn is 72 verse uh, 23 وَمَنْ يَعْسِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَإِنَّ لَهُ نَارَ جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا And whoever disobeys Allah and his messenger, then verily for him is the fire of Jahannam, the hellfire, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا And he would remain in it forever and ever. And also the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Zukhruf, chapter 43, verse 74 and 75, إِنَّ الْمُجْرِمِينَ فِي عَذَابِ جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدُونَ That verily the mujrimoon, the the wicked evil disbelievers and pagans they are they will be in the punishment of jahannam khalidun forever remaining in it permanently la yufattaru anhum wa hum fihi mublisun and that punishment or that torment in the hellfire will never be lightened for them and they will be plunged into it into destruction in deep regret or sorrow or despair so these are some of the proofs of the permanent existence of the paradise and the hellfire. And then he mentions the place of the paradise and the place of the fire. He says that the paradise is fi a'la illiyin. It is in the highest place of illiyin and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah al-mutaffifun verse 18 kalla inna kitab al-abrari lafi illiyin. Nay, but verily the record or the book of the abra the righteous the pure the pious lafi illiyin it is in illiyin and it goes on to explain what is illiyin wa ma adraka ma illiyun kitabun marqum that it is illiyun what will make you to know what it is it is a book or a register inscribed it is the record of the deeds of the people verily the records of the abra of the righteous or pious lafi illiyin it is in al illiyin and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in authentic hadith 
that is very well known. It is the hadith of Al-Bara ibn Azib radiallahu anhu and the story of the trial of the grave. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in this very very long hadith فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ Then Allah, the mighty and the majestic will say اُكْتُبُوا كِتَابَ عَبْدِي بِعِلِّيِّينَ وَعِيدُهُ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ Then when that person is taking up to the heavens Allah will say write the book of my servant speaking about the believer write it in the illiyin in the highest places and then return him to the earth that is until the day of resurrection because the body would stay in the earth until the day of resurrection when it will be resurrected and the people will be judged and each one sent to their destination paradise or hellfire as for the hellfire he said that it is asfala safinin it is the lowest in the lowest of places and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also in surah al-mutaffifun Verse 7, Allah says, إِنَّ Verily the record of the deeds of the fujjar, the disbelievers, the sinners or the evil and wicked people, لَفِي sijin, That it is in sijin. And what will make you know what is the sijin? وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا sijin? كِتَابٌ marqum. It is also a record inscribed. And the Prophet ﷺ said in that same hadith about the sijin, فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Then Allah the Most High would say, اُكْتُبُوا كِتَابَ عَبْدِي فِي سِجِّينَ Write the record of my slave, that is about the disbeliever. Write his record, فِي سِجِّينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ السُّفْلَى Write it in السِجِّينَ, that record which would be in the lowest part of the earth, in the bottom of the earth. And finally, as for the people of the paradise and the hellfire, and this is the most important thing, we hope that our studies of Islam, of the Qur'an, and of the Sunnah, and of the Islamic laws would be for the purpose of seeking the pleasure of Allah, of following those instructions, and living our life according to those guidelines, so that perhaps we would be of the people of Al-Jannah, and na'udhu billah min al-nar, and we seek refuge from being in the hellfire. He said that the people of Jannah is every mu'min, taqi, every believer and pious person who has taqwa, because these are the awliya of Allah. These are really the awliya of Allah. The friends of Allah. As Allah Ta'ala says about Al-Jannah. It has been prepared for the people of taqwa. The pious and righteous. In Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 33. And in Surah Al-Hadid verse 21. He said. That this paradise has been prepared for those who amanu billahi wa rusuli those who believe in Allah and His messengers. So the paradise has been prepared for the muttaqeen and the mu'mineen, the believers, those who are pious. As for the people of the hellfire, and we seek refuge in Allah from being of the people of the hellfire, He said that the people of the hellfire is every kafir, shaqi, every disbeliever and wretched person, as Allah Ta'ala says about the fire, عِدَّتْ لِلْكَافِرِينَ that it has been prepared for the disbelievers, that's in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 24. And he said also in Surah Al-Hud, verse 106, As for those who are wretched, then they would be in the fire. This is what we wanted to say about these two things, the paradise and the hellfire. And it is of utmost importance that we always reflect on these things. And we seek Allah's guidance from the Qur'an, 
and from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that we will be able to avoid that hellfire and that we would be able to attain by Allah's bounty and His mercy the Jannah or the Paradise. And the last point of the essay of Imam Ahmed, he closes with this point, he says, وَمَنْ مَاتَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقِبْلَةِ مُوَحِّدًا يُصَلَّ عَلَيْهِ وَيُسْتَغْفَرُ لَهُ That whoever dies from amongst the people of the Qibla, Ahlul Qibla, the people of our Qibla, the Kaaba, the people who pray towards our Qibla, the direction of the Kaaba, that means the people of the religion of Islam. Whoever dies from amongst the Muslims, Muwahidan, and he is in a state of acknowledging and declaring the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at Tawheed. He is living his life according to Tawheed and not worshipping something besides Allah or making shirk of any type. Whoever dies from amongst the people of the Qibla uh, as a Muwahid, one testifying to the unity or to the uniqueness, not the unity, but the uniqueness of Allah in his rububiyyah, lordship, and in, in his uluhiyyah, his right of worship, that he alone should be worshipped, and in his asma wa sifat, in his names and attributes, that he alone deserves the perfect names and perfect characteristics or attributes. Whoever dies in such a state that he has acknowledged and lived according to the tawheed of Allah in these three things, his lordship, he is the only creator and provider, the owner of everything. Whoever dies living according to this, and worshipping Allah alone and acknowledging that Allah alone deserves the perfect names and attributes, then prayer is performed over him and forgiveness is sought for him. Prayer is performed over him. We should make janazah salat, salatul janazah. We should pray for such a one from amongst the Muslims who died on Tawheed. And we should also seek forgiveness for him. We should ask Allah to forgive his sins. Then Imam Ahmed, he says, وَلَا يُحْجَبُ عَنْهُ الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ Seeking forgiveness is not to be withheld from him. That is, we should not abandon him. We should ask forgiveness for him. وَلَا تُطْرَقُ الصَّلَاةُ عَلَيْهِ And also the prayer should not be... We should not abandon praying over him. لِذَنْبٍ أَذْنَبَهُ صَغِيرًا كَانَ أَوْ كَبِيرًا أَمْرُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى We should not abandon praying over him on account of any sin which he committed regardless of whether it is a small sin or a big sin, know for sure that his affair is with Allah, the Mighty, the Most High. And this is the end of the essay of Imam Ahmed. We would just like to mention a few points concerning this last, or a few evidences concerning this, and the summary of uh, Sheikh uh, Ibn Jibreel. First, uh, concerning the fact of seeking forgiveness for those who died from amongst the Muslims, on Tawheed, Allah says in the Quran, Surah Al-Hashr, verse 10, وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ يَقُولُونَ Those who came after them, they say, رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانِنَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَا بِالْإِيمَانِ They say, O oh, our Lord, please forgive us and forgive our brothers from amongst those who came before us of the believers, those who preceded us, in Iman, then we also, Allah says that, they w- that we would seek forgiveness for ourselves and for them. And this is because we have been prohibited from uh, seeking forgiveness and we have been prohibited from making salat on the one who died on other than tawheed, yani the one who died on shirk or kufr. 
And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Tawbah, chapter 9, verse 84. وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ يعني, And don't pray on any one of them who died. Don't ever pray for any one of them who died. وَلَا تَكُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ And don't stand over his grave. That means over the disbelievers or the pagans. Allah ordered the Prophet وسلم, and by extension all of the believers وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا Don't ever pray over any one of them who died وَلَا تَكُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ And don't stand over his grave to pray for him. And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Tawbah in the same chapter 9 verse 113 مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا It is not right for the Prophet nor for those who believe the Muslims who believed in him, who believed in Allah and followed him and يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ وَلَوْ كَانُوا أُولِي قُرْبَىٰ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ And it is not proper, it is not acceptable, it is not right or permissible for the Prophet and those who believe that they should seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen, the pagans who worship other than Allah, even if they are their nearest relatives. After it has been made clear, after it has been made clear, أَنَّهُمْ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ That they are the companions of the hellfire. That is, if they died on disbelief and shirk, then it became clear that they are of the people of hellfire. In that case, it is not permissible for the Prophet ﷺ, nor for the believers to seek forgiveness for them, even if they were their nearest of relatives. While they are alive, we may ask Allah to guide them and pray for them, for their guidance. But once they are dead, it is not permissible to ask forgiveness for them. As for the believers, the opposite is so. Those who died on Tawheed, we are required to ask for their forgiveness and to pray for them. So, Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, has made it clear that this right of seeking forgiveness and praying for the one who died, it is the right even of the person who died having committed sins, whether they are minor or major, as long as he died as a muwahid, as long as he died on Tawheed, and he was from the people of the Qibla. And this is a very important condition that Imam Ahmed has placed here when he said, وَمَنْ مَاتَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقِبْلَ مُوَحِّدًا Whoever died from the people of the Qibla, from the Muslims, but he, and he is muwahidan. This is a very important condition because it clarifies to us two things. The first of them is that even though a shirk billah, making something as a god besides Allah, or worshipping or giving worship to something other than Allah, any form of worship, even though this shirk is one of the major sins, and it is the biggest of the major sins. But it is not included in the statement of Imam Ahmed here when he says that we should not leave off performing prayer or asking forgiveness for anyone who died because of any sin, whether it is small or minor, major or minor sin. This shirk is not included in such. This means all other major sins, whether it is fornication, whether it is killing, robbery or whatever, disobedience to parents, all of those things, do not prevent us from praying for the Muslim who died on Tawheed. In spite of his sins, we still pray for him, no matter if they were major or minor, unless it is shirk. And this point or this condition uh, is made clear by Imam Ahmed when he said, everyone who died from amongst the people of the Qibla, muwahidan, yani on Tawheed and not having died on shirk. So whoever uh, performed or who died having died on shirk, then he is not included in this, that is, 
the asking of forgiveness and the praying over him. And the second point that is also very, very significant and it really requires some explanation and I don't think we have the ability to do it this evening but anyway, we may briefly mention it. The second point that we understand from this condition that Imam Ahmed mentions here that the people who are included in this are the people who died on Tawheed. We should also know that someone might have died having committed minor sins minor sins, not even major sins, minor sins but they thought lightly of their sins and they continued in their sins even they considered those sins that they committed to be lawful to be permissible they didn't consider that they are doing anything wrong even though Allah prohibited it in their mind, in their heart they said nonetheless I consider it lawful I consider it permissible and they do minor sin but declaring those things to be permissible that Allah has declared forbidden then the person who died in this condition committing minor sin but thinking lightly of it and considering it to be lawful even though Allah and his Prophet ﷺ declared those things to be haram then that person actually by declaring what Allah made unlawful by declaring it lawful that person actually goes out of Islam and that person cannot be called a muwahid in that case that person should be considered as a disbeliever and we should not think here that this statement can be understood that we are declaring any particular individual specifically as a kafir no because the ruling of a certain action as being kufr does not necessarily mean that the one who does that action can also be declared as a kafir and we discussed this in the last lecture when we mentioned uh, some very important principles that have to be observed in reference to the matter of declaring a Muslim as a kafir this is a very dangerous matter we are not saying that a person who died in this condition that he specifically is a kafir but we, we are saying that this act of declaring lawful what Allah has declared unlawful it is an action of kufr it is an action of kufr and that person cannot be declared as a muwahid and in any case Allah is the final judge of all matters Allah knows what is in the hearts of the people and Allah is the judge of their condition a Sheikh Abdullah ibn Jibreen he says in summary of this last point that it has been reported in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sallu ala man qala la ilaha illallah that we should pray on those who say la ilaha illallah that there is nothing that has the right to be worshipped except Allah so those people who entered into Islam and they openly displayed their Islam then they are considered to be of the people of Islam and they are considered to be sins which do not make that person become a kafir there are some sins, there are some acts which take a person out of Islam but those sins which do not make a person to become a kafir major or minor sins, we still pray over that person uh, then he said he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about the munafiqeen that we already mentioned وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ don't pray over any one of them of the hypocrites 
who showed Islam but they were really hypocrites, don't pray over them when they died uh, and don't stand over their graves. Because these people were hypocrites and it became clear, their hypocrisy, it was clear and it was known. And therefore, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they didn't used to pray over those whom they had doubt about their affair. They had doubt, was this person really a believer or a hypocrite? They wouldn't pray until the likes of Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, until he uh, prayed over such a person. If they saw him praying, then they would also pray, because Hudayfa radiallahu anhu had been informed by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam of the names of the hypocrites so he knew even in their lifetime by being informed from the prophet sallallahu wasallam who were the believers and who were the hypocrites so they used to wait and see if Hudayfa prayed over someone that they were in doubt about they would see if he prayed and if he did then they would also pray, pray along with him as for the other muslims about which there is no doubt even if they committed sin and they have shortcomings, then we pray over them and we leave their affair to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we believe that their sins do not take them out of Islam and we also say that the person who commits sins in fact has, is more in need that we should pray for him, for his forgiveness than the person who is not a sinner the sinner has more right and he is more in need of such so he, we should pray for him for sure and we should ask for his forgiveness and we should ask Allah to be merciful to him uh, so that Allah would forgive him, inshaAllah. The Shaykh also goes on to mention the people of Bid'ah uh, that we shouldn't pray over them. That is, those whose Bid'ah is Bid'ah Mukaffira. Yani the innovations that actually are kufr. Not the minor innovations, but the innovations that are actually kufr. Uh, those such people, we shouldn't pray over them. And we know that from amongst the early generations of the Muslims, the callers to innovation, like the people of the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'atazila and Rafida and such people, particularly he mentioned here the Jahmiyyah and he mentioned the Rafida. The Jahmiyyah of amongst their beliefs, and I think we passed out some definitions of some of these groups in the last lecture, one of their main uh, deviations was that they denied the attributes of Allah and also the names of Allah. And the Rafidah declared the kufr or disbelief of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Such type of innovation as this, this is the innovation that is innovation or it is uh, what is called the innovation of kufr that, that actually makes a person to become a kafir. So such people shouldn't be prayed over, uh, nor should they be supplicated for. Uh, then also he said that some of the that some of the imams sometimes they wouldn't pray over some of the people who were sinners, not because it was not permissible to pray over them, but in order that it be a warning to the other people to avoid uh, such sins. But the Imam would allow someone else to pray over such a person so that he would not be denied the right of prayer over him and the action of forgiveness but it would also be a warning uh, to the people to avoid such sinful behavior and sinful acts. This is the end of what he said and uh, 
before closing, though, I would also like to just quickly quote a uh, few points. I think we have a few minutes left, five or ten minutes. Uh, concerning this point that Imam Ahmed mentions here, uh, seeking forgiveness for the people who died, even if they were sinners, sinners and praying for them, Salatul Janazah. And Imam Tahawi says in his book, Aqeer Tahawiyah, we hope that Allah will forgive all of those who were good in their actions and will let them into paradise out of his mercy. And we are hopeful of this, but we do not testify that they will definitely enter paradise. That's for the good people. As for the sinners, we seek forgiveness for all of those who do wrong, although we are worried about their final end. But we do not allow ourselves to fall into despair about them. We don't give up hope of Allah's mercy for them, the sinners. And he said in another point, we allow prayer or the salat over the dead, uh, behind every pious and sinful person, we pray behind them, even if they are pious or sinful, if they are the Imam, among the people of the Qibla, and similarly, we also consider it proper and permissible to pray the funeral prayer over both of them, that is the pious and the sinful. Uh, the final point that we want to mention concerning this is a brief explanation related to the point of uh, the matter of a person who dies having committed minor sins, major sins or minor sins, but even if they are minor sins, if they died having committed these minor sins, but they considered that these minor sins are not sins, they considered such acts as lawful, even though Allah declared these acts to be unlawful. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, he says about this, that we don't declare any one of the people of the Qibla, the Muslims, we don't declare them to be kafirs for any sin, as long as they don't consider that sinful act to be permissible. Sheikh Nasruddin al-Albani, Hafizahullah, in his explanation or his commentary, on this point by Imam At-Tahawi, he says that the considering of something lawful, that he means here, he means those who in their heart consider it lawful. They in their aqidah or their belief, they consider such a thing as lawful, even though Allah declared it unlawful. We don't mean here the one who considers it lawful in, by his deeds, because every sinner, by his action, it is a testimony or a statement that he considers such a thing as lawful. By him doing it, it is by his action, it is as though he is declaring such a thing as lawful. But we are not saying that the one who does the act, that he becomes a kafir by declaring it lawful through action, but we mean that the one who becomes a kafir is the one who declares it lawful by holding the belief in his heart that what Allah has declared unlawful, that it is lawful. So it is a necessity to make a distinction between the people who hold something as lawful in their heart. These people, they are considered to be kafirs by consensus of the scholars, by ijma' as opposed to those who hold it lawful through their actions or declare it to be lawful by doing such things. These people are considered to be sinners and they deserve to be punished with a suitable punishment unless Allah decides to forgive them 
and Allah may forgive them if He pleases, then after such after such punishment or forgiveness from Allah, they would be saved from the hellfire by the iman or the faith that they have even though they were sinners. This is in contradiction to the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila who declared the people who commit major sins to be kafirs. And we have some people even in this time, in present time, though they are not called Khawarij and they are not called Mu'tazila, and some people said these groups are old and they don't exist anymore, there's no need to discuss to discuss such, but we say that there are even groups of people today, individuals and groups, who follow the philosophy or the ideology or the aqidah of the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila because of some misconceptions or confusion that they have in their mind in misunderstanding some of the texts of the Qur'an and Sunnah, such as those hadith which we mentioned in the last lecture, which says that a person who does such and so, such and such and so and so, then he is a kafir. Or the person who does such and such and so and so, he has committed an act of kufr. These people, because they misunderstood these things, then they, be- they became confused and decided that the person who commits such acts, as mentioned in these hadith, then that person is a kafir. And we are saying, as we mentioned last week, that the act may be an act of kufr, but it is not our right to declare that person as a kafir. Uh, in the explanation of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah, the one who explained the book, he mentions the opinion of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, who say that Al-Iman is Qawl wal-Amal. That Iman is not only belief in the heart, but it is also speech, Qawl, and it is also actions, Amal. It increase and it decrease, and that sins, no matter what kind of sin, major or minor, that these sins are what is considered to be, maybe, if it is, if it is called kufr, it is kufr amali. The sins, the action that a person does that has been described as kufr, it is kufr amali, kufr in actions, not kufr i'tiqadi or kufr in belief or kufr in the heart, like the person who doesn't even believe in Allah or who worships something other than Allah. So he said that kufr with the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah has degrees. As Ibn Abbas said, kufr duna kufr. It is, there are levels of kufr that are less than the major kufr of the kafirs, like the Christians and the Jews and the pagans. There is kufr that is less than that. Some of them call it minor kufr. So just as iman has levels, so also kufr has levels. Then he gave the example of those people. And this is a very important example, and it is a living example that we are experiencing today. It is the example of those people who misunderstood the Qur'an, where Allah says that verily those who rule by other than what Allah has revealed, then they are fasikun, that they are zalimun, that they are kafirun, that they are wicked people, sinners, that they are wrongdoers, oppressors, or they are kafirs. Allah used three words here, and so there are levels of those people who rule by other than what Allah has revealed. Some of them might be fasikun, wrongdoers, or evil people, wicked, and some of them might be zalimun, those who transgress transgress the bounds, wrongdoers or oppressors, and some of them might be kafirun, but it's not for us to declare uh, these things, to declare anyone personally or individually as a kafir. As we mentioned, there are certain conditions and there are rules, and this is the right of the scholars, the people of knowledge, and not for every individual Muslim to declare a person as such. So those people, they misunderstood these verses of Quran, and based on that, they began to declare any person who was in a land or in a country or in a government where they weren't ruling by the Islamic Sharia, then they said these people are kafirs. They are outside of the, of the religion of Islam. They don't belong to the ummah of Islam. But the correct position, the position of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, 
is that those the ruling by other than what Allah has revealed, the person who does such might be a kafir outside of Islam, or who he might be a, uh, a a sinner who has committed a sin, major or minor sin, or otherwise. So he said, this is depending on the condition of the person who is ruling by other than what Allah has revealed. If that person believes that his ruling or his judgment by other than the Islamic Sharia, if he believes that ruling by other than the Islamic Sharia is not obligatory, that, that it is his right to do such, it is not obligatory to rule by the Islamic law, if he believes that in his heart, that he has the choice to choose the Islamic law or not, that it's not binding on him, then such a person, if he knows that this Islamic law is really the law of Allah, and, and he abandons it as though he has no obligation to it, then that person, he is really a kafir. This is the real major kufr that takes somebody out of Islam. But if he is a person who believes that it's obligatory to rule by the law of Allah, and he knows what is the law of Allah in a certain matter, but he doesn't rule by it, but nonetheless, even though he doesn't rule by it, he acknowledges, acknowledges that it's binding on him and he knows that he is deserving to be punished for, for abandoning it, then that person is not declared to be a kafir, but he is called a asi or a disobedient person, a sinner. And that person, if he is called a kafir, it is kufr, yani asgar, or minor kufr, kufr duna kufr. It is the lesser type of kufr, it is kufr in actions, and it, it doesn't take him out of Islam. The third possibility is a person who rules by other than what Allah has revealed, but he rules by other laws out of ignorance because he didn't have proper knowledge. He tried. He strived and he struggled to reach the right decision, but he missed the mark and he didn't come to know the correct ruling that Allah has sent down because of his ignorance and he made a mistake and ruled by other than what Allah has revealed, then that person is not considered to be a kafir, not major kufr nor minor kufr, but that person is a mukhti, yani he is a person we say that he has committed an error. And if he is a mujtahid or of the people of knowledge, then there is a reward for him for his effort to try to reach the correct decision and he is also forgiven for his mistake. So it is important here to keep in mind that all of what we discuss related to kufr, it should be in light of these points that the person, uh, depending on his condition, if he has said such a thing or done such an action with knowledge, with the knowledge of what he is doing, that it is wrong, and he denies that it is wrong, then this is major kufr that takes somebody out of Islam. But if he admits that what he is doing is wrong, he acknowledges that the law of Allah is correct and right and perfect, but he abandons it for some other reason out of weakness or whatever, then that person is a sinful person, a wrongdoer. And if he does it out of ignorance, then he is forgiven for his ignorance, but he should at least make the effort and ask the people of knowledge and try to search for the truth. And if he made every effort, then Allah forgives him for his uh, mistake. And finally, in closing, uh, because it's time for the Adhan now, uh, I just want to remind us that we mentioned some points last week about Kufr. One of them is that there's a difference between Kufr Amali and Kufr Atiqadi. There's a difference between Kufr in actions and Kufr in the heart, in belief. We have to make a distinction between the two. Don't get them mixed up. If somebody does an action of Kufr, don't say that that person is a Kafir, like a Christian or a Jew or a pagan. We have to make a distinction between them. The second thing that we said is that we have to also be sure uh, that when someone does an action, we should be sure that it is really an action of kufr and not 
ignorantly declare something which we believe is an action of kufr as such even though it may not be. We have to distinguish also between the ruling or the judgment of kufr on the action and the judgment of kufr on the person, the one who does that action. There is a difference between saying that this word or this speech or this statement or this action is a statement or an action of kufr and saying that that person is a kafir. We have to make a distinction between declaring the action as kufr and declaring the person as a kafir. And also we said that we need to look at the person even if his act is really an action of kufr and we have to know if that person is doing it for some reason out of ignorance or being forced to do it, being compelled to do it or for some other reason because he misunderstood we have to make a distinction uh, between the person who does something knowingly and willingly and the person who does it unknowingly or unwillingly. We have to look at the condition of the person who is doing such an action and finally we have to look at the one who is making the judgment not everyone has the right to declare uh, anyone to be a kafir this is only the right of the scholars who know the conditions for such and we should not do it even if we looked at everything else uh, the people who are not qualified for such who are not of the people of knowledge the ulama uh, common people such as ourselves should never declare any individual specifically as a kafir subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk if there are any questions, uh, we will take them now for five or ten minutes before the ikhama. Okay. There are some questions here uh, regarding praying over the people who die or praying for them. Number one, who defines if the people are hypocrite in these days? Well, we cannot define anyone as a hypocrite and we shouldn't define them. Uh, and Allah knows best. But we can only see the signs of hypocrisy that have been described by the Prophet wasallam. And even in spite of that, we shouldn't still declare anyone to be a hypocrite and therefore abandon prayer over them. But if we see the people have died in a condition of kufr, even though they said they were Muslims, if we see, for example, and this is a point about which there is some difference of opinion, but if we see a person who doesn't pray at all, he does not perform, he or she does not perform prayers, not at home nor in the masjid, they don't pray at all. Then the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever abandons salat is a kafir. Then this abandonment of, of salat is a sign of kufr. Then many of the scholars, such as Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Baz and Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen and other scholars, they said that such a person who doesn't pray uh, should not be prayed over when they die. And even they said that person should not be buried in the cemetery of the Muslims and Muslims should not inherit from them and so on. But as for who is a hypocrite, we are not able, and Allah knows best, to declare anyone a hypocrite. We don't know what's in people's hearts. Only Allah knows we are not receiving revelation, and Allah knows best.
If a family member dies and he or she says that they only worshipped one God but never actually became a Muslim. If someone, if a family member or neighbor or friend or anyone we know while they are living says they only worship one God while they are living, then we should tell them to declare the shahada of Islam to say La ilaha illallah and Muhammad Rasulullah. And if they said such, then we would treat them as a Muslim. But if they said, I only worship one God, but they never declared the shahada, they never said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. It's not sufficient just to say that I believe there's only one God. But in order to be a Muslim, a person also has to believe in the Prophet of Allah, whom he has sent to be followed, to be a guide for the people and to be an example. So if someone in their lifetime said they believe there's only one God, but they didn't believe in the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu then they could not be a Muslim, no matter how much they said they believe in only one God. And even if they claim that they don't worship anything other than Allah, they cannot know how to worship Allah alone, except by following the guidance of Muhammad sallallahu So even though they may in their own mind, thinking, they may think that they are only worshipping Allah, they don't have the ability to worship Allah properly, except by following the guidance of the one whom he sent to show the people how he should be worshipped. We cannot worship Allah as we will or as we think, but we can only worship Allah according to the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. And that's why to enter Islam, there are two statements that have to be made. La ilaha illallah, and along with that, Muhammad Rasulullah. Because the one who we say we worship him alone, we can only worship him according to the guidance of Muhammad ﷺ, the Messenger of Allah. So if that person never became a Muslim, then we don't consider them a Muslim and we cannot treat them as a Muslim. And Allah knows best if in fact that person secretly declared their belief in Allah and in the prophethood of Muhammad, but we never became aware of it and we never saw them practice such or display such a thing, then we would treat them as we see them and on the day of resurrection Allah would judge them according to the secrets of their heart that he alone knows and we don't know and Allah knows best. What if a person, if someone dies mentally ill, insane, and dies as a non-Muslim, what can we do regarding funeral prayer? If a person died as a non-Muslim, they didn't become a Muslim, they were not a Muslim, and they were mentally ill, then it's not for us to give them the funeral prayer. The funeral prayer is for the Muslim, the people, the Ahlul Qibla, who died on Tawheed, the Muslims who died without dying on Shirk. The Salatul Janazah is for the Muslims only. If a person is not a Muslim, even if they're mentally ill, we don't have any... Uh, right to perform the janazah prayer for them. The janazah prayer is for the Muslim. And as for them being mentally ill, then the people who are mentally ill, the pen is lifted from the mentally ill as it is lifted from the child until they reach puberty and from the person who is sleeping until they awake. So also the person who is mentally ill, who doesn't have control over their mental faculties, the pen is lifted from them and Allah would judge such on the day of resurrection. Allah knows about those children. If they had grown to adulthood who died in uh, childhood, um, he knows about them, he knows about those mentally ill people who didn't have control over their senses and Allah will be the judge of that. But as for the funeral prayer, the funeral prayer is for the Muslims. What if a Muslim tells you that something made haram, they see lawful, dies? Should you tell others regarding why you did not pray over them? What about backbiting? Of course we shouldn't backbite them. And also, even the matter of someone who says, that something is lawful, which Allah has declared haram, before that person should be declared as a kafir, all of the conditions have to be fulfilled. That person first 
it should be explained to them that this thing is haram, that this is unlawful, proofs should be given to them, their misunderstanding concerning those proofs should be made clear to them until they are convinced and it becomes clear to them that this thing is really lawful. If after that, then the person insists on saying, in spite of that, uh, our, uh, it becomes clear to them that this thing from the evidences that something is haram and they continue to declare it lawful then it is the right of the scholars to make a judgment in the case of that person and it's not for us to do such and if someone didn't pray over that person because they knew that the person was in that condition that things have been made clear to them evidences have been produced for them uh, misunderstanding has been clarified for them and after seeing clearly the proofs and the evidences and understanding that that thing is really unlawful, it's haram, but they continue to, to declare it to be lawful, then we should not tell this to other people. It's not good to speak about the dead except to say good things about them. And Allah knows best. Uh, the questions are too many. May Allah help us. And the time is short. If the Rafidah are kuffar, why are they allowed to make hajj with the Muslims? <laughs> this is a very nice question. Jazakallah khair. May Allah bless you. Uh, no doubt the Rafidah, they are kuffar. And this is by agreement of the scholars. Of course, the Shia, the groups of Shia are different. Some of them are worse than others. Some of them are less than others. And some of them are closer to the people of Sunnah than others. But the Rafidah, the extreme sect of the Shia, that is those people who believe in the 12 Imams, the people of Iran, who believe in that uh, false aqidah of so-called Imam Khomeini and the people there of today, those people who believe in such, they are really kafirs. From their belief, it's clear. Because they believe the Imams to be gods besides Allah. They said that their 12 Imams have control over the atoms of the universe. And only Allah has control over the atoms of the universe or anything else in this universe. They said that their Imams know everything of the past, present and future. And that they cannot die except by their will. They only die when they want to die. And there's no such thing. These are the characteristics the knowledge of everything and control of everything, these are the sifat that belong to Allah. These are the characteristics of Allah alone. So whoever believes that such that person is a kafir, nonetheless, as a whole, we say they are kafirs, but there may be amongst them some who are ignorant, who don't know. We should try to call them to Islam and explain to them Islam and give them a chance to know the correct way and to come to Islam. As for why they are allowed to make hajj, this is a political decision made by a government and it's not an Islamic decision made by the scholars of Islam. The scholars of Islam don't say that these people are Muslims and therefore should be allowed to make Hajj. But it is a political decision and Allah knows best. I don't, I'm, I'm not clear on this question, how about Shia, something, are they considered as hypocrites or whatever? I think the answer to this question is clear. The, the Shia who believe in that which is known to us from their books, the Ithna Ashr or the Twelvers, or the people who believe in the 12 Imams as Imam Khomeini uh, believed, and those people who are there today believe, um, those people are kafirs. We don't say that they are hypocrites, they are kafirs. Please clarify the difference between pond, haud, and pool, kawthar. <laughs> Allahu alam. This is the last question, and we are going to pray now. Uh, and Allah knows best the difference between al haud and al kawthar. And there is some difference of opinion about it, but the best explanation is that al haud is that pond which is the place where the people of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa would go to drink and quench their thirst on the day of resurrection. And some of the people would be turned away who left Islam. 
and some of the people who would be turned away who practiced innovations after the death of the Prophet and he would think that they are of his followers, He's, he would say, these are my followers, these are my people, and it would be said to him, no, these, you don't know what they did after you, the innovations that they made. So that pond is a fountain, or a place that the people would drink from on the day of resurrection. As for Al-Kawfar, the best opinion about this, as the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, that he entered paradise and he saw in it a river, and that river was the river called Al-Kawfar. It is a river that is inside the paradise. After the people who have been accepted by Allah, by his bounty and his favor and his mercy to enter the paradise after they entered the paradise then they would come upon Al-Kawthar that I don't know I think has been translated here as the pool the pool and the pond the pond is how according to this translation it is the place where the people of the Ummah of Muhammad would drink from on the day of resurrection and the pool or Al-Kawthar is the river inside the paradise that um, the, that would be for those people who actually entered the paradise after the accounting has been given, uh, the people have been judged, and they have entered the places where they are going to enter, and Allah knows best. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta.